0: happening guys happy tuesday and thank you for joining another special episode of your welcome wow what a weekend it was from jacksonville guys macy barber gave the performance of a lifetime and mr water bottle emerged as a top featherweight contender i want to talk about mr water bottle in a bit but first i want to begin talking about a story that's been breaking the dirt sheets the past few days All right, guys. So I just got done with there. I love doing aerial show. All we end up doing is fighting, though. And then it's weird. We're both work with Troy, and so then Troy's got to choose a side. Like everything gets weird. But when you guys see that, I, ho- I hope that you don't feel uncomfortable because I really enjoy doing aerial show. It's volunteer. I don't have to go do it. He asks me to do it. My wife saw me on it. She went, and got, she went and got me a coffee just to be nice to me. Not because I needed the energy. She got it in, so you're having a hard day. You know, she was watching it live. So, I want to tell you what happened. So, I'm on Ariel's show, and Ariel is an institution, right? Th- there are people at Bellator, One Championship, and the UFC that never miss Ariel's show. And when I when I say people, I don't mean I don't mean a person, I mean, of the hundreds of people there, there's roughly 30% that are watching Ariel. It's a really big deal. Ariel has an incredible team and department, Troy is part of that, that will release earlier in the day, digitally, to you guys, who the guests are going to be, and then he'll interview them live. And I think it's a miss by me. I'd like to hear from you guys. But I'm thinking of doing my things to you live. I see Ariel doing these things live. Then he breaks into clips. He does the exact same thing I do. But, but I, I edit it and I bring it to you. And I'm wondering if I should do that. Because I'm feeling as though Ariel, just in those few moments, is going to jump. I think that he's got something really good there. But what he does is he releases it ahead of time. So you, the world, will know who the guests are. And you will know the order. And if you follow his program, you then get to have a pretty good idea, right? It's like a fight card. If you're not going to be home at 10 o'clock Eastern, but you like the main event you could be home by midnight, you know that you could still order it and watch the main event. You start to know. You start to kind of know the order. Errol do a damn show for six hours sometimes. He will never do a show that isn't four hours. So when he lines up the guests, you kind of know where to go. He puts out that I'm going to be on. So then I get a call from Mark Zuckerberg. Now, Zuckerberg talked to me in a way that I knew it. And so I went with it, right? But that happens sometimes, particularly in this industry. People will talk to each other like we know them. I met a lot of professional wrestlers and things like that. I would, I would just go up and start saying, hey Jericho, hey man, how you doing? Hey, blah, blah, blah. And, and, and then it works, it works. Sometimes it's weird. You go, hey man, I don't know who you are, but a lot of times it just works. It's a friendly way to go. So when Zuckerberg calls me, you gotta understand, my phone says Meta. Meta is relevant. Meta is relevant, because guys, you want to know where the story's going? There's a chance I'm a fool. There's a chance that I'm being catfished. But, but hold on. Meta is relevant, okay? Because the company used to be called Facebook. It only switched to Meta. You, know, you guys were all hearing all about the Metasphere. You are hearing about these digital currents. I mean, this was the hottest thing in the world two years ago. Nobody talks about it anymore. They changed their name to Meta. My phone pops up Meta. I thought that was a big detail. Am I making too much of that? I thought that was a big detail. I used to live at the Olympic Training Center. I was telling Ariel this, but they had a phone booth. And you could call anywhere in the world it was free. It was the Olympic Training Center, so people were coming in from all over the world to train. So this way they can call home. They don't have to get a whole bunch of quarters out. And you didn't have to go collect and do these, these different things. They could use it, but you had five minutes. Call anywhere in the world. You call, call Taiwan if you wanted to, but you had five minutes and it was monitored. There's a gal who she started hitting on the glass so you couldn't hear anything. I used to love to call people, even though I didn't have a lot of friends back then. Cell phones weren't really huge back then, but caller ID had just come out. And if I called somebody, it would come up on their phone, United States Olympic Training Center, all spelled out. Not USOTC, United States Olympic Training Center. And I didn't know that was cool. I didn't know, but the people who I called thought it was. So then I started calling more people. I start calling more people. <laughs> I call people and just hang up the phone during my five minutes just so they could see that. And then, hey, what are you doing? Hey, what are you? Hey, what are you doing? Hey, you must be pretty good at whatever you do, right? It's one of these things. So, so when it pops up meta, I just have that memory and he talks to me like, oh no, hey, Jay sucker, Zuckerberg. And I'm rolling with it. It says it says Meta it says Palo Alto. I could show you the face of the phone here if I thought that you could see it. And the, and the point is, that I thought it was him. It was him, and he said, You're going on aerial show, right? Hey, I just saw that you're going on aerial show, I'm going to be watching. And he says, I am fighting Elon Musk at UFC 300. And he made a big deal about the 300, and he made a big deal to say, It's UFC 300, I have a signed contract. It relevance, and I'm supposed to repeat this, to Daryl, so now I'm repeating it to you guys the relevance being is that's about a year away. And Zuckerberg says, nobody has their calendar busy a year from now. Nobody. And if by some chance you do, clear it. It's a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity clear it. And the point that he was trying to make, I thought was very clear. There'd be no excuses. I've been challenged. I'm accepting the challenge. And now I'm going further, right? You're in a really you're in a really you're in a really interesting spot. Okay, you get challenged. That's upper hand Musk. Musk just called you out. That's upper hand Musk all day long. All day long. He might look like a jerk, he might look like a bully, it might be confusing. It's upper hand. Period. You accept the challenge, you're dead even. You are you just got to dead even. Now you're starting to work on the rules and now it's a matter of who's going to flinch and guys they always flinch. You have no idea. Dana White brings you 11 fights every week. Scott Coker brings you 11 fights every other week. You have no idea how many guys flinched and backed down to make those 11 happen. You have no idea. They always flinch. The pros, nobody actually wants to fight. Nobody actually wants to fuck. Okay. That's a news flash. You have 365 days in a year. You will step up three times a year for the other 362. The 362 days that you can give a perception to your peers and your community and your surrounded and your spot that you're a badass. You will step up as bad as you don't want to do it three times a year for those other days. Did you know that? Did you know nobody actually wants to do it? Are, are you aware of this? So it's a big deal. Let's go through this again. Musk calls him out. That's hand. Zuckerberg accepts. We're even, but who's going to blink? Who's going to tell Dana White something different than they put out on social media? Who's it going to be? He's got a fight promoter. He's got no choice. He's got to out. He's got to say. He's got to say, so-and-so changed his mind. So-and-so can't do it. He has to do it. But if you don't do it, then what do you do? What do you do? Because you don't want to fight. They don't to fight each other. What do you do to align your troops? You start training. That's what you do. That would be the next step. You start training. And if the other guy starts training as well, by rumor, what's the next step, guys? Do you know it? This ain't rocket science. Do you know what it is? You bring in cameras and you document your training. That's the next step. And then you take that you take that to the public and you let fans start saying who's looking good, right? Who's rolling? Who's got the hands? Who's got the kicks? Who's not afraid to grab you in the nuts and poke you in the eye like Chael P would have done, right? But really, you gotta, you got to monitor these things. Now, one guy might be busted just in the hitting of the pads. We've seen that before. We've seen fight guys come out and they're working mitts and they don't know what they're doing. And the gig is up. a very, very interesting thing. And Zuckerberg wanted to make a big deal about the date. He wanted to make a big deal about UFC 300. That's not hard for me to believe, particularly because I think it was Michael Chiesa said two days ago that he was hearing about UFC 300. And Ch- Chiesa's got a contract with ESPN. He would sit in places where he could hear things. I'm just sharing for you that it, it lines up for me. And Ariel wanted Zuckerberg to call in, and so did I. And I wanted to be the one that delivered it, right? I know I'm a name dropper. I, I know that about myself, but I'm in a small town in West Lynn. It's a really big deal to get a call from a CEO of anything, let alone Zuckerberg. So I wanted him to call in, and he didn't call in. <laughs> now I'm going, hey, am I a fool? And Ariel said, he goes, well, you know, there's AI machines, and there's blah, blah, blah. I said, like, eh, I guess... I guess, sir, I hear that too, but is that true? How do you do that? Could you guys do that to me right now? Could you go to an AI machine and get a voice and get somebody to to call you and you, you get them to pop up meta on your phone, Palo Alto, California, you can do all of those things? Oh, and by the way, you have to be in a select few, even if it was 30,000, you got to be in a select few that saw a tweet put out by MMAfighting.com on their Twitter handle. I mean, there's a great irony in that. They didn't post it on Instagram and Facebook. They posted it on Twitter. They posted it on Musk's platform, and I get a call from Zuckerberg. I don't think I was catfished. I think it was him. I think it was him. I can't tell you if he's fighting at UFC 300. I can tell you, if I'm right, he thinks and he has agreed to fight Elon Musk at UFC 300. Tuporia. Ilya Taporia, Ilya Taporia, guys. I do not know that I could like a person less. And I mean a type of person. I've never met Ilya. But it's a type of guy, right? Have you seen this guy? Huh? you seen this guy? Th- this is the kind of guy where Brennan Schaub and Luke Rockholt look over and go, God, that's a good looking guy, right? And then, he's, and then his girl comes on, and she's like out of a magazine, and then I find out he's undefeated. By the way, he's a main eventer. By the way, speaking of remaining undefeated in main events, he just took out a guy that fought for the world championship. <laughs> like, what's up with Ilya Taporia? Come on! And you guys know who this is, by the way. I just did Ariel. I'm sorry, I'm reaching over here, guys. I'm excited. I was just doing aerial show, and I get high from that. I get, I get. You know, aerial brings things out of me, and it's it's always combative. But I really do like him. I I, I truly do. I get I get worked. I'm sweaty over here, coming and talking to you guys. Ilya Teporia is Mr. Water Bottle. Yeah, do you remember that? Do you know what I'm talking about? Ariel, who if MMA was Jeopardy, he's going to win. Okay, he's going to beat every. It's going to come down to Ariel and Zach Candido. All right, and all of Earth. And Ariel forgot this. This is why I think maybe you guys did. Mr. Water Bottle. I'm leaving it there. Okay, my right, is it is it Patty the Batty? It was Patty's second fight. And it was his second fight in England. So second fight in England would be third fight overall? Fourth fight overall? I don't have to have those fun facts, right? right? I'm not doing Jeopardy. I'm just trying to impress you with the timeline because Patty goes to sign his UFC posters and they have a videographer there they got a little camera and this isn't like an aria Alexa. so this is a this is a little camera you can go get them at best buy it's gonna cost you a pretty penny but it's it's a little camera it's got a microphone and, and it's a one-man show you can go back you can edit you can do it later and somebody's following patty around well when patty gets in there something happens with Ilya taporia and they end up throwing water bottles. And I wanna say, Patty even hit him with one. He threw hit him in the head with a water bottle, or Taporia threw it at Patty. But then Patty came out and named him Mr. Water Bottle. And he did that because he didn't know his name. And if he did know the name, he didn't know how to pronounce it. You wanna know how I do that? I just referenced Zach Candido a moment ago. I called Zach Candido yesterday and said, How do I pronounce Ilya Taporia's name? And he sent me a phonetic spelling and an, an audio clip. Ilya Tapori, that's exactly right. It's worth knowing, right? We don't call him Mr. Waterball anymore. We do not call a main eventer Mr. Waterbottle. We don't call an undefeated main eventer Mr. Waterbottle. And I remember when, I remember when Patty was barking at him because Patty appeared to be protected. Now, I don't think those things about Patty anymore. I misunderstood Patty the Batty yeah. at one point. I, I do not misunderstand him anymore. But it did appear to me at that time, like he was being protected. He was a big draw. He had a funny haircut. You know, he's in a sport that requires wrestling and he's from a country that doesn't have wrestling. This isn't rocket science. Put him with the right guy. Sell some tickets. Sque- squeeze it a little bit. And we'll move on to the next our Archimaya. Like, this is just what this business... It's what this business is. And so I go and I look up Ilya Taporia and I see, man, this son of bitch is like, I thought he was 12 and 2 at the time. Errol told me he must have been 12 and 0. Errol told me he's never lost. So, and I remember thinking, they're not going to put him together. This guy's too good. And Taporia was hot. Taporia wanted that fight. He was slighted. He was disreputed. How can you let someone throw a bottle at me? How could you let something like this happen and then not let me answer for it? Right. This isn't school here. This is Tapori talking. This is—I'm not in a, 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 a construction site. I'm in a job where we fight. This person did this to me. Let me fight him, and he couldn't get it. I mean, he couldn't even get off the ground. Ilya tapori was never going to get off the ground. Not with somebody like Paddy the Batty. That's what a difference a day makes. Tapori is now a main eventer. Paddy the Batty's done a lot of things in the sport. He hadn't main evented a show yet. They're going to have a very different conversation about who's where, right? It could be straight-up audience pop, or it could be 14-0 and 0 who's closer to a championship, and one guy just beat a former contender. I'm just saying it's it's a very different spot, and I don't predict for you they're going to make that fight. I'm trying to tell you who Ilya Tepori is, and I'm trying to tell you a story that I know that you're familiar with. But you might have forgot it, and you might have forgot it because you never knew it in the first place. Mr. Waterbottle... Now, Mr. Main Event, according to Ariel, Mr. Undefeated, which might make him Mr. Number One Contender. There's a piece of the psychology and it's rinse and repeat, right? That's where experience is so helpful. That's where, if, if just by example, but Dana steps down, that's where you do have a very hard time passing that. It's rinse and repeat, the whole thing, but there's so many things that people just don't observe in the first place. And learning lessons and paying your dues, right, that's okay. That's a very normal part of life. You pay a whole bunch of money and go to a fancy college and try to get the answers ahead of time, or you can just go jump into it. Screw things up, lose money. But you come out about the same, right? You're going to pay for your education one way or the other. I share this with you because when you talk about the rinse and repeat, you're talking about a psychology of the performer. And there's nothing that's okay about it. Dana has started a new thing to be very, very polite to his upper guys where they're crazy, They're babies. They're entitled and they're difficult to work with. But instead of saying any of those things, you come and say, oh, they're artists. Oh, you know, an artist is, you know, it's all in the detail with the art. Man, it's none of those things. That artist is drunk and probably didn't even send you that message in the first place. And you probably had to call him 15 times to get him to pick up his damn phone because he's in bed because he doesn't have a job. There's nothing artistic or beautiful about this unless you admire Van Gogh who drank himself into a coma and cut his ear off and we're supposed to think that's a cool thing. If you do, uh, go ahead. Then Yeah, they're artists. And part of the rinse and repeat is there's just a time, there's just a time where you beg for opportunities. You beg for them. George St. Pierre himself got on his knees and literally did this. Steve Miocic did it from his feet but he, he begged for an opportunity. I bring that to you because everybody does. It's fair. that's part of the psychology. We beg for an opportunity and then you get it. And there comes a time where as soon as you believe you're powerful enough, which nobody's ever been, as soon as they believe they're powerful enough, they turn the gun on you. Leon Edwards, who I don't give a fair shake to, by the way, I'm trying to change that. I've never been fair about Leon. I've been nothing but hard on Leon. I'm, I'm trying to change that. But just as an example, scratched and clawed his way just to get the opportunity, and we were there for him. We didn't let anybody slide him. We did not let a pandemic had a country that shut down an airport and left the number three guy in the world behind. We didn't let the division move on, did we? No. No, oh, we looked after Leon. We got Leon that opportunity. That opportunity was a co-main event. as opposite Nate Diaz. Then we got him an opportunity. We pushed him right into a main event. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. We did that. And as soon as he got the belt, the very first thing we asked him to do, he said no to. It wasn't the second thing, the third thing, the fourth thing. As soon as he got that belt, he said, we'd like you to fight Colby Covington. And he told us no. I just bring it to you as an example, because they all will do this eventually. And Mr. Waterbottle, I think I've been very fair, I think I've been very fair towards Mr. Waterbottle, but he says that he would fight Max Holloway, but only if it was in Spain. And they all do this. They all do this at some point. Now, now that implies something, okay? And you can't make it to the top if you don't believe. And a book on confidence that some prick writes to sell for $9.99 on Amazon is not what I'm talking about. Somewhere within you, you have to have a misguided opinion of yourself. You do not just need a healthy ego, it would verge and border on insanity. The way you would think about yourself. And there's an implication here. Taporia is saying, I will do it, and I'm good enough to do it, and I'll do it again, Max, and I'll do it in a main event if you do it in Spain. Because I control Spain. You go book any old bull riding arena over there, I'll fill the damn thing up. I am the Spaniard fighter of MMA. That's precisely what he's saying. I mean, if we took Ilya Taporia to and we took Max Holloway, and we took him to Spain, we better book about a 3,800 seat than you. And we better be ready to give a lot of tickets away to the local DJs. But in Ilya Taporia's mind, you could go pick a, a, a bullfight arena and he'll sell it out. That's in his mind. There's none of that that's true. The biggest thing that Ilya Taporia has had this week is me. For sure. Not, not, not even a Maybe. You can go do a Google search and you can pull up people that talked about him. You can look at my numbers. You can look at everybody else. The number one thing that he has is me. They're they're not asking to see him in Spain. They're not begging for Ilya Tapore. They don't know who he is. They don't want to put him in main events and all the local TV shows have him on and tell his story. None, None of those things are true. But he thinks they are. He thinks they're true. And he will fight Max Holloway. But only if it's in Spain. And you got to know how to handle those things. I'm not giving Ellie a hard time at all. Believe me, I have those same misguided. I'm, I'm defending Elia here. I'm defending to poor. Absolutely, I am. I hope it came out that way. But I'm also making an observation that this is what these fighters do. It's a, it's a very hard thing. It's a very, very hard thing. You start a pattern where you ask a guy to come to work three times a year right? You can always loosen reins, but it's very hard to tighten them. It's very, very hard to tighten them. You start a pattern where you ask a guy to come to work three times a year and your top guys, you can't get them to do that. I don't know that John Jones has gone to work one time. I, I said three times in one year. He, I don't know that he's gone to work one time in three years. I don't look like to give him a hard time. It's just a name that you would know. Stipe Miocic, right? If you got a villain, you got to hear Stipe Miocic the same way. I don't know if you've got him to go to one work one time in three years. It's, It's one of these things that gets to be very tough. And who you get behind and who you back and who you support, it's very tough when it's not scripted. Kevin Nash told a story. Kevin Nash, I love following the Kevin Nash story. Just, just Kevin Nash in general, how he broke into a business, where he made it. Kevin Nash was a big guy and he was cool. That doesn't happen a lot. Big guys are usually awkward. Right. The, the, the tallest guy in your high school wasn't the one with the prom queen. Any of you. Any high school you went to, any, it just didn't work that way. They felt awkward. The tall guys just felt awkward, right? You, you get to a certain height, and you're like, I, I'm bigger than everybody else, and my head's got to duck in here, and it's a hard time fitting the clothing. And it's one of these things. It's hard to be a really big guy and be cool. Kevin Nash was both. He was cool. He was confident in who he was. And it came out. And he was huge. He was seven feet tall. He was 300 plus pounds. I think Nash was about six foot eight. But he was cool. That's not a word you get to use very often. So Vince is going to put the belt around him. But Vince doesn't just put the belt around him. Nash doesn't just get to the arena and the booker comes in the back and tells him how the match is going to go, which involves him getting a one, two, three, and holding the strap over his head. Vince brings him out to the house. He sits him out by the pool. He says, you've been doing a good job. You need more of this. Here's where you're getting over with the audience. I think you need a push. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to put the belt around you. But make no mistake, Kevin Nash didn't leave the pool area in Connecticut that day, the champion of the world. That was an interview. It was an interview. If I do all these things that I just told you I'm going to do, what is your temperature? Are you going to do what so many guys have done and try to turn it back on me? Are you going to do what Goldberg did in and demand raises? Are you going to do what both Bagwell did and, and start getting drunk and not making flights? Are you going to do what? Right you do what Ultimate Warrior did. You're going to try to trademark this and take my ideas from me. It's, it's one of those things. you got to feel them out. And you can't really do that in MMA. We don't script it. It's very hard. Vince McMahon had an opportunity to buy the UFC. This is right before the Fox deal. The Fox deal ends up doing a rights buy with the UFC, but the organization as a whole allegedly was for sold, and Vince McMahon was a suitor for $1 billion. Vince was going to buy it and shut it down. His son Shane loved it. Shane said, No, no, dad, let me run it. Don't shut that down. They got something great going on over there. Vince said, You can't have a star if you can't control the outcome. Now, that's not true. But that was his belief, and he's made a lot of stars. And that's not true, right? The Yankees and things like this. You've got fixed sports out there. You got, you got, oh, I just saw a tennis match. It was completely fake. NASCAR and Indy 500. You see, is totally fake you don't have to control the outcome. There's the the Yankees are still going to get over just by example, but it's, it's a helpful thing. And and understanding that psychology, understand what's going to happen. Understand when I give this guy a push and I give him a chance. And if he gets the belt around his waist, what's he going to do? Where can I take him? And when can I take him? I started a policy where guys are shown up for work three times in a year, And anyone that's had any level of financial success, I can't get to show up one time in three years. Oh, nothing's done until it's done. I give you guys uh, pro wrestling analogies quite often. And pro wrestling got into shoot interviews. And the shoot became the new work, so it all sucks now. But they got Dark Side of the Ring, and they got the the piece of the territories that, you know, The Rock himself is producing, and there's just some nostalgia around that for me. My WWE fan is, I mean, this goes back to the 80s, right? This goes back to $1,000 to any man that can slam Big John Stud. I mean, I go back to the 80s, I'm I'm not that big of a fan but I do still follow the story so I I bring you guys a lot of examples and Scott Hall was telling a story it wasn't about him it was about someone else but Scott Hall told the story rest his soul and it was about somebody that was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame something happened Headed to the actual banquet. They'd flown into town. Their family flew in. They put on the outfits. They got in the car. Something happened in traffic going to it. They didn't make it. They never walked across the stage. They're not in the Hall of Fame. It was 20 years ago. They never re-put them in. They never brought them back. And Scott Hall was just trying to prove a point. Nothing is done. Until it's done. And we have a massive fight. I mean, it really is a massive fight because of the implications. There has not been a time in Israel Adesanya's career that Israel Adesanya has been put in the position that Israel Adesanya is in right now, which is he didn't have a job. Israel Adesanya has never left the octagon without lining up his next day of work. He did that in his last one. Was with Duplices, but then Duplices got booked against Whitaker. Izzy has never been in this position. So I- Izzy he's moving forward. I'm this is who I'm fighting. Apparently he's gotta fight this guy first and then I'll fight, right? I mean, this is Izzy's standpoint, but I'm just sharing with you that that, that is a very possible thing. I don't want to be a jerk about that. And I think that Duplices is really something special. Dupleces is not gonna be Whitaker. So what are we doing? And how many times does Chael tell you that with a straight face and I look like I'm right? I got my fancy sign lit up over here. I get it wrong. Let's say he does win. It doesn't It doesn't change the point, which is this. We now apparently have a fight between Chemayev and Jared Kananir. And when I say we have a fight, we have nothing more than October approaching where Chemayev was put in a co-main spot, and that's the world's worst kept secret. And now we have a guy that called him out for the first time in his career. And I would just assume we're going to make the fight. And as much as it is known that Izzy Adesanya would like to fight Duplessis, and Izzy Adesanya has controlled his career more than anyone in the company's history. As much as that is known, it is believed that Chemiah's next fight will be his only fight prior to fighting for the belt. It is believed and has been believed for a period of time that Chemayev will be going up to 185 pounds Never matter if that was Kamaru Usman. Never matter if that was Paulo Costa. It was going to be at 185 pounds, and it was going to be the only fight that he needed to do at 185 before he got to fight for a world championship. So, what, what do you want to do? And I don't have the answer to it. I don't. I don't know where that goes. But there's. It's not as though I'm hedging my bet. And you got Dana and Hunter in a room somewhere on the second floor of the UFC with the answer. Ha ha, Chael, you got it right again. Or ha ha, chail, you 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 you're close, but you know, no cigar. It's it's not like that. They they don't know either. Everybody is going to be given the same thing, which is an opportunity. You're going to have an opportunity for performance, and then you're going to be put on the microphone. I don't know which one is more important. I, I can tell you, I personally, with 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 one win and two shots on a microphone, could do more than a guy that went three years undefeated. But I'm, I'm sharing for it. We don't know where that's going to go. We didn't know where Jared Cannon was going to go or there's there was anything interesting for him to do. All of a sudden, he grabs a microphone and calls out Chamayev, says he'll go to Fight Island in October to do it. Oh my, wow. He just became really interesting, right? And I'm just sharing for you that there's different approaches and I don't know that anybody's doing it wrong. I won't know till it's done. I'm just sitting back and observing it, but it's a very different approach than another one that's playing out in front of you, which is Volkanovsky. Volkanovsky is Islam or bust. He is absolutely set. And he's got a fight on International Fight Weekend, which is believed to be and intended to be, it doesn't always work out this way, but it is intended to be the biggest fight card of the year. And Volkanovsky is headlining it. And it's in two weeks. And it's against Sheree Rodriguez. And I have never seen a split screen with the two of them. I've never seen an interview by Yuri Rodriguez at all. I have seen an interview done by Volkanovsky where he references Yuri Rodriguez and he gets right off of him and he goes back to Islam. And just, it's very different, right? Nobody's going after Islam, nobody's challenging Islam. Charles Oliveira is supposed to be fighting Islam and he's putting out posters with himself and Conor McGregor. When I tell you, nobody is discussing Islam, like this isn't a figure of speech. Charles Oliveira, who is scheduled to fight Islam, is talking about fighting Conor McGregor. No one's talking about Islam but Volkanovsky. And it's a very different scenario. I don't know which one is right. I don't know. And I'm not looking at it from the perspective of competitiveness. Because some people say, "Oh, he's got to focus and he's overlooking Uriah Rodriguez. Eh, For some athletes, overlooking is the greatest thing you can do. You will never get psyched up for anything. You will get psyched out. And there is an analysis by para- paralysis by analysis where you sit and focus about something, and you just freeze up. This is a real thing. This is the one they don't teach in the book. This is the one you got to learn the hard way. And some people need to do just that. They need to get focused. And other people need to think anything other than that. Anything. So I'm not speaking to you from a competitive standpoint. I'm speaking from a marketing standpoint. There's, there's very different approaches going on right now. Izzy's trying to get somewhere. I don't know how he's going to get there. I don't think they're going to pull Duplices off of a loss and put him into that fight. Duplices is not going to beat Robert Whitaker. Sorry if I'm being a dick about it, but he's not going to beat him. And whatever happens there, we do believe that Chemayev is going to get the push. Chemayev is a massive star in the sport. There has never been a mismanagement. I don't mean by his team and his managers. There's never been a mismanagement by our marketing department. There has never been a mistake like the ones made on Shemayev. And with that said, as big as he is, you want a fun fact on Shmaev, guys? Not only is he not a number one contender, not only is it not said that he's going to be in a number one contenders match, his next match is so unimportant, apparently, that our opponent, which was going to be Paul Akash, we pulled and stuck somewhere else. Our next opponent who offered to do it, we couldn't agree on the weight class, and we scrapped it. We now over here at Bad Guy Inc. think it's Jared Cannon here because Jared said his name a week ago and nothing else. This is how poorly this has been managed. The number one headline in the entire sport three years ago, you can't find in the headlines anymore. This is a mistake. This is a mistake that somebody really should wake up and go, God, I dropped the ball on this one and get, get back involved. But as great as Jamiyev is and as wonderful as he's done, he's never fought for a title. He's not in an official number one contenders match. And above everything else, he's never main evented. Are you aware of that? So there's, there's things that need to be done. And there's boxes that need to be checked. And becoming a number one contender off of a co-main event, you can do. But when you're competing against a former world champion and the guy that the current champion wants to fight, and they're in a main event, it's a different situation. Unless you have the gift of gab. Just making an observation for you. It's two different plays. I, I'm really interested in Volkanovsky and I've shared this. I've shared this with you guys, I, right? Frankie Edgar leaves the sport. That screws me. I. I'm Frankie's biggest fan, but he's my favorite fighter. So now I don't don't have anyone. I'm screwed. It's a big deal when Frankie decides he's gonna go, right? So now I need a favorite fighter. I'm down to two. My favorite fighter is either Volkanovski or it's Michael Chandler. I haven't made my decision yet. But it's a very accurate, very accurate observation by me. I don't think you can get this anywhere else. I don't think you have access to this anywhere else. You're welcome. Gregor, John Anik, Daniel Cormier, Michael Chandler, Francis Ngannou, and I. Is it I or me? And I are all in a predicament together that would be I. Do you know the difference in I and me? It's very important that you learn that or you sound stupid. I, here's the situation. I read things that Annick said, and Anik, every time he speaks, if you know Anik, can set things down on accident. Because Anik would never reveal inside information. The problem is, Anik's on the inside, and all the information he gets is inside information. So, he has a way that he has to present to the world without letting them in on something that he was in a room and heard, right? I mean, it's just an interesting spot. Daniel Cormier isn't overly different. He is different, right? Anik is in a little bit more, but Daniel's around. And so when they both speak, you gotta be looking for their tails. You gotta be looking for their 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 poker hands. Both of them spoke yesterday about Conor McGregor and the fight with Michael Chandler, which is the same thing I spoke about yesterday. And the three of us, John Anik... Daniel Cormier and I have come to the same conclusion that Francis and made a mistake, that Conor McGregor and Red Panty Knight is still the biggest thing in MMA. Francis and was injured and is going to sit out a minimum until 2024. Conor McGregor, who was injured, is going to sit out to a minimum. Of 2024, this was a bad decision by Francis Ngannou. It was a good decision for Conor McGregor. How do we get there? Because I did it too. I have a feeling you guys have done it. How do we get there? How is Francis, who later in life and dealing with a very serious leg injury? appearing to only be partway into this sport because he's talking about a different sport. Oh, by the way, he's going to return in a different calendar year, and those are all negatives, but that exact same thing is the ingredients that you have in a pot, and you stir it up, and out comes a Conor McGregor. How do we get there? That I don't know. I mean, I will share with you that is open and blatant biasness. Is it biasness to a character or to an athlete? Is it biasness to an organization or an idea? I don't know. But I feel that I have successfully proven that we do have a bias. Don't we? And it feels right. Even in light of the hypocrisy that I just stated, it feels right. I think it was a bad move for Francis. I think it was a good move for Connor. Right? Right? We're in one of these really weird paradoxes. I think that Francis's spot is colossally difficult because of the opponent. There is far more likely, possible, and even probable opponents for Francis that are going to be a massive exhale. Ugh. There are far more names that can be drawn from a hat and stand opposite Francis Ngannou for his debut that is going to suck the air out of the balloon and go, you got to be kidding me. Conor McGregor, any name in multiple different weight classes, at any weight class they decide to make up, is going to be huge business. Just the way that it is. It's just a spot that he's in. So the Connor situation is very tough for me. And it's tough for me on a personal aspect. And I don't want to get too into personal things about Michael Chandler, but Michael Chandler has let you, the audience, into his private life, into fatherhood, into, as of about a year ago, multiple fatherhood and his wife and his home and what he does for training the fact that he has to pack up and he has to leave home to prepare for matches and leave this beautiful family behind him and i just share for you that when dad is a prize fighter and he's got to do it on the road he deserves a prize he just does when he goes and puts a full day's work in he deserves a prize whether that's every friday at five or that's the conclusion of every contest and to have Chandler going through some of these things and not see a prize. Let me tell you guys a story. I had a dog. Rest his soul. Had to put him down three weeks ago. Oh my goodness. However hard you think that is going to be. However hard you envision that being exponentially more difficult of a thing to go through. But this little guy. It was as though he didn't speak any English. You know, most dogs, you you can get dogs to know 10 to 12 really sharp dogs. You can get up to 17, 18 commands. And my dog danger, it was as though, I mean, it didn't matter what I said to him. He would look at me and he'd have the beautiful eyes and he'd turn his head and he was trying to listen. He just could never figure out what I would, I'd have to give him a treat anyway. I mean, he couldn't, he couldn't, uh, kettle up to get into my pickup truck. He couldn't get down to, when he was on furniture that it wasn't supposed to be, he couldn't come, he couldn't stay, he couldn't fetch. It was one of these things, and I'd work with him and work with him, but he was just going to do something different. And not because he was a bad dog, it's just, it's like, it's like he had never heard the word before, even though I'd say it day after day. I bring this to you because my wife, Brittany, at times going, hey, you're not spending enough time with him. You're obviously not training him correctly. So we go to the pros. Go to the pros, this guy comes in, he picks him up can keep him for three weeks. Takes him out to a place called Solvies Island, which you can even look up. They're, they're very well known for dog training out. This part of the world I brings my dog back. And the dog didn't understand a word. He did not understand stit. He did not understand come. He did not understand stay. So it got to where the dog would be doing something. And whatever it was he was doing, I would tell him to do that. By example, if I saw him chewing on a cushion from the couch. And my wife would come in like, oh my goodness, another cushion is getting destroyed. I would look over at Danger and I would say, chew on that couch cushion. And then I would say, oh, good boy. Or if Danger came up to me, for whatever reason, just on his own, he would come up to me. I would then say, come. Or if I saw his back knees bending where he was going to start to sit down, I would say, sit. And So it was as though, right? It was a joke in the house as though... He was perfectly trained, as though he was doing what I was telling him to do. If he'd be in the process of barking for no ungodly reason at all, I would say, bark, speak. And I get a great laugh. Everybody thought this was really funny. I'm starting to think that would be a great troll by Michael Chandler to Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor continues to do whatever it is he wants. And it sounds as though everybody is going to acquiesce. I have told you guys a million times, and I will tell you a million and one, the United States Anti-Doping Agency could walk right up to Conor McGregor and ask him for a test right now. He does not need to be in the pool. And there is very clear and objective language for what happens if he is to refuse that test. Now, where that wants to go, who wants to actually arbitrate that? But I'm sharing for you. USADA, who operates at the discretion of the United States Senate on taxpayer dollars, and don't tell me about the 10.4 from the UFC. I understand that a private business has now gone after them too. I'm sharing with you, has the ability to go and test Connor now when they haven't done it. They're scared, Period. They are scared of what would happen. They are scared of the pushback that somebody that isn't gonna lay down and get kicked and walked on, which is all they've ever gone after their whole life. They've only ever gone after people that can't punch back. And they are scared to do it to Connor. Now, I don't care. I'm sharing with you that when we make the statement, Connor will do as Connor pleases it even extends to them. So I don't know if Connor's going to fight Chandler. I know at one point he said he would. I also don't know that there's a method to the madness of Connor McGregor, but I can sit back and I can observe his trends and I can see them working so well over such a long period of time that one could deduce it's strategic. Let me talk about Anderson Silva. Anderson Silva's recipe to promote a fight, and nobody ever caught on to this, and perhaps I only caught on because I studied this guy so closely, but the way Anderson would promote a fight, every single fight, rinse and repeat, is wait until the opponent is found, let the media build, get the promotion to say that's the direction they're going, get the media, get responses from this opponent. Once that dies down and is no longer a headline, Anderson will come out and he'll refuse the fight. He'll say, no, I'm not going to fight him, for whatever reason. And he would get about two weeks of media, about two weeks of headlines over the refusal of the match, at which point when those died down, he would then accept. So now he's accepted the fight, and you've got these headlines, you've got his interviews, and the other guy, and you're going back and forth, you're looking for dates and locations, and at some point prior to the fight, Anderson would put out a rumor through his camp that he was injured. He personally wouldn't do it. And he personally would not confirm it, but he also personally would not deny it. So now the speculation runs rampant that Anderson is hurt and the fight isn't going to happen. And then he would go into do the fight. But it was the same thing each time. That was his recipe. Conor has a similar recipe. And one thing that Conor will do once he builds interest and looks like he's coming for you Looks like he's chosen you one piece of that and I'm gonna fast forward, but one piece towards the end of the trajectory every time is Connor will move on and he'll never tell you. Connor's the boyfriend who'll begin dating another girl and never break up with you. You will be the last to know when you feel like a fool and you'll be standing there with your head down as he walks into the dance. With a dime piece on his arm. That's just the way he does it. So what if you did it back to him? What if you did it to... Not an ultimatum. Not telling him you have until this date or else. Not signed by Friday at 5 or else. Don't say anything to him. Because he wouldn't say it to you. What if out of nowhere you went and called out someone else? I mean, what would happen... Eddie Alvarez called out Michael Chandler yesterday, which would make for the greatest trilogy that I can personally think of. In fact, i put that at number one. I would put Stipe and Engano at number two. That's how important I believe that it would be to our industry that Eddie Alvarez and Michael Chandler finish this, because it's not finished. It's one apiece. But what would happen if Chandler came out and accepted that? What if he went for it? What if? Eddie's free, just so you understand. I thought Eddie was with Bare Knuckle Boxing. You're right, but Bare Knuckle Boxing will allow Eddie to go and do MMA for an organization, in this case, if it was the UFC. Dave Feldman's been very open about that. So what would happen if Chandler started to go in that direction? You would assume that that now means his business with McGregor is done. Okay, so what, right? You might think, okay, so what? Connor's done that a hundred times with no repercussion. And he's left people looking like fools every single time there was a pay-per-view within a 20-pound radius. It could be 135, 145, or 155, but if there was a pay-per-view and there was a feature match at any one of those weight classes, Conor McGregor would take to Twitter and call that person out. He would congratulate them and tell them how good they looked. And then say, but you wouldn't do that with me. I'll see you soon. Something along this effect. And it would be seen by hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people. And that person would be excited and their parents would be giving them high fives and hugs and pats on the head. And Connor would drop them without even a conversation and he would move on to somebody else. For years, he did that. So what would happen if Michael Chandler came out and accepted Eddie Alvarez's invitation? Which do you think is harder to do? To get Eddie Alvarez, a notoriously clean fighter, with no injuries and no excuses, that has one hell of a backstory, and isn't going to come in and try to binge over and take the whole bank, he's going to make sure there's enough on the table that everybody gets spread around, or... Conor McGregor, who has been given the opportunity, has been brought to US soil, and for reasons unknown, cannot do his paperwork. There is paperwork within USADA, that's true. I could get my phone out though right now, I could do it online and I could be done in 15 minutes and I could be part of the USADA pool, just so you know, but I would have to spend those 15 minutes. So I'm wondering What kind of a troll and what kind of a move would need to be done on Conor McGregor to get him to jump? And what bad would come from Michael Chandler accepting a challenge from Eddie Alvarez? And we're only in the headline business. We're not in anything else. So if you think you're getting traction, right? If you're in Michael Chandler's spot and you're getting traction each week with Conor, even if it looks less and less likely like that fight is going to happen, but it stays in the headlines, stay right where you are. But if those headlines begin to die down or those headlines begin to shift, and Conor's the one that shifted them because he started to look for a new opponent as he's done to people for three years... Wouldn't it be better if you were the one that found the opponent first, that you shifted the headlines first? And if Eddie was to call out, or I apologize, Chandler was to accept the call out from Eddie just by example, purely by example am I bringing these two together, what's the media going to do? They can't turn to Chandler, hey, is the fight with Connor going to happen? Yeah, gee, I think so. I've been telling you that for eight months. They can't turn to Connor and say, that. Ah, yeah, I'm trying to get my paperwork done with Usada. Sure is, sure is hard to come up with these 15 minutes needed. Eventually, they're going to have to turn it back on the promotion. They're going to say, hey, what's going on here? This sounds like a really great, captivating fight between two warriors that the fans would like to see. That sounds very reasonable sounds like something the organization is looking for on a regular basis and it seems as though that's the spot that we're gonna get to eventually so if the dog won't listen to you you can look like a fool and you can just keep throwing the stick you could or you could tell the dog in front of a audience stay right there don't move throw the stick let it land dogs right there you look Like a genius. All right, guys, that's it for today's program. Thank you for listening. And remember, if you want to support the show, you can leave me a review on Apple Podcasts like this one, which says everyone needs an Uncle Chael. Well, thank you for that. And I think the world needs a lot more of me. Speaking of which, I'm going to be back here on Friday. Until then, I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome.